Welcome to The Lit Review, a podcast sparked by a moment of urgency, recognizing mass political education as key for our liberation struggles. Every week, your hosts, Paige May and Monica Trinidad, will chat with people we love and respect about relevant books for the movement. Everything from history to theories around gender to sci-fi and beyond. We know that political study is not accessible for a variety of reasons. The high cost of books, academic jargon, the failures of our underfunded school systems, time barriers, etc. Our hope is that this podcast helps address some of those issues, making critical knowledge more accessible to the masses. Think SparkNotes in podcast form. I'm one of your hosts, Paige May. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Lit Review. Um, I'm super excited. Today, we're going to be talking about a fiction book, which is super great. These are one of you tend to be some of my favorite episodes. So we're here with um, someone that I've seen in the movement a few times, who's very well connected, uh, organizes uh, with the Asian American community. community. Um, I'll let her introduce herself more and go more into like your background and all that. But we're here with, is it Vaughn? Is that Vaughn? Right? Vaughn? Yeah. And we're going to be talking about The Sympathizer. So I'll, let, I'll pass it over to you. Who are are you what do you do and why mm-hmm. so my name is Von Huynh uh, I'm an immigration attorney I work at PASA West Suburban Action Project I'm re- relatively new to the role um, so prior to that I was working at Asian Americans Advancing Justice Chicago organizing with Asian uh, American communities primarily in uptown um, but we have a pretty wide reach throughout the city and I think in terms of why I've always been involved with the Asian immigrant community I I'm an immigrant myself, um, you know, on a personal level, starting out with in providing interpretation for my family. And so when I got older and came into my professional role, still working with immigrant communities, um, originally from Philadelphia. And so working with immigrants new to the Philly area, doing employment placement. Um, and a lot of that process felt kind of icky in some ways, a lot of people coming and then you're putting them into, you know, janitorial positions or maintenance jobs that didn't feel great. Um, And so I think as a young person, I had these ideals about wanting to create systemic changes so that it wasn't just about providing services for folks. Um, So then I decided to go to law school Mm -hmm. and now I'm practicing immigration attorney. That's what's up. Yeah. So tell us um, about what led you to read this book. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think what initially caught my attention is Vitan Nguyen is the first Vietnamese American to win the Pulitzer Prize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of, I vaguely knew what the story was about. It's about like post-Vietnam War. Um, and I've never really been in, interested in that because mm-hmm. I think it's telling, I think stories I've heard from my own personal life, right? Like stories my parents have told me, my, my grandma. Um, but I think why it won the Pulitzer Prize was probably what, what sparked my interest. Um, so wanting to learn more about maybe the different perspective, like what are people gaining from this book? Because there's, there's been other books before, right? There's been tons of fiction books written about the Vietnam War, and I think it's for as a Vietnamese American, that's the narrative that's been imposed on us, and it's done it so exhaustively that anytime someone brings up the Vietnam War, I'm like, can we talk about anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Got it. So uh, I have already several questions yeah. based off of that. But before we get into the, the the lessons learned and like what you think is special about it, what mm-hmm. what's the story about? Mm-hmm. So the story is about a communist spy uh, who's working for a South Vietnamese general. Um, it takes place uh, at the end of the Vietnam War. And so there was a period of time where top military officials knew that they were losing the war. And so they prepared um, plans to escape the country. Um, 
but they wanted to do it secretly because they didn't want to create chaos throughout the ranks. And so this communist Bai is in charge of coordinating that, of sort of like whispering to people, providing visas for individuals to get out. And a lot of them were, you know, top military officials and their families. Um, so he, he does the coordination for that, and then he's also tapped to go to the U.S. He speaks English, he, so he could provide interpretation for the generals. Um, and he's also been educated in the U.S., so they think that he's familiar with the culture. And so he goes to the U.S., and he's sort of disgusted by Americans, right, because he's a communist, and he's trying to get out. And throughout this time, the South Vietnamese generals are still under the belief that they can win back the country. And so in America, they start planning, they start raising money in order to provide troops uh, to go back into Vietnam. And then towards the end of the book, he eventually... Um, he becomes like a part of this group to go back into Vietnam and he gets captured by the communists and, and they torture him because they don't believe that he's a communist, right? They assume that he's with the South Vietnamese. Uh, and, and throughout this whole time, he's writing letters to, um, to sort of a co-conspirator of his, even though he's, uh, he's sort of addressing it to his aunt, mm -hmm. like, dear aunt, this is what I'm doing, uh, but it's a co-conspirator on the communist side. And even then, as towards the end, as he's being tortured, he's wondering, like, where is this co-conspirator? Like, why aren't you saving me? But throughout the book, uh, it sort of illustrates, like, these dual identities that he has of himself. One in that, you know, he, he you know, strongly believes in the communist cause, but he interacts on an everyday basis with South Vietnamese individuals. And in some ways, I think he, like, empathizes with them, but then feels sorry for them. Um, but he's also, he's biracial, he's half French and half Vietnamese, and so he's dealing with um, his biracial identity, uh, what it means to be a Vietnamese person. And so you sort of, the book is told through his perspective, and you get this sort of back and forth. Uh, but I think for me, what speaks a lot is he thinks he's a good person, mm -hmm. and it's weird because he does all these terrible things, right? He's like lying to those closest to him, um, but he's also, he's he's sort of targeting these South Vietnamese. There's like killings involved in the story that he's involved in, but he's assuming that he's doing it for a good cause, right? Um, yeah, so I think all of that is, is uh, what really gravitated me towards the, the book itself, more just outside the context of like the Vietnam War and like post-Vietnam War. Yeah. What, why um, did you choose this book to talk through, a book that has influenced you? What was it about it that really you mm -hmm. think is important to talk about? Yeah, what I really liked about the book is, I mean, it's 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 clever. There's a lot of funny parts in the story where uh, Viet Thanh Nguyen makes fun of um, the U.S. and, like, white America and just how ridiculous everything is. Um, and there's also, like, the sense of anger, right? It's like this communist is, is angry that he's in the U.S. and that he's looked down upon by everyone. You know, he speaks French, he speaks English, he speaks Vietnamese, and yet he meets these, like, politicians and academics who belittles him and belittles the Vietnamese people. Um, and in, in the when he comes to the U.S., he, it's set in California, which is where the first big wave of um, Vietnamese Americans came into around the Westminster, California area. Uh, and so they're, like, building this community for themselves and politicians will come in and talk about the war um, in a way that doesn't feel personal, right? In a way that's, they're trying to, they're trying to get money from them, right? They're trying to get their political support. And he makes those social commentaries about what it feels like to interact. Um, and also just the way that the Vietnam War was decided. Um, and I think he talks about it in a very direct way that I haven't heard or like read in other books. Right, he talks about white men being in suits, sitting at board meetings, making these decisions about my people. Um, 
And it was in a way that I get why it won the Pulitzer Prize because in the past, people just haven't talked about the Vietnam War like that. Mm. Um, and I think it's also a counter narrative to the way that immigrants are typically portrayed in that we're, we're supposed to be grateful, right? We're supposed to be grateful that you're here and you know the US saved you and brought you here. Um, and for him, he didn't feel that way. You know what I mean? Like I think the, the character in the story, and, and I'm sure a part of that is from the author's perspective also. Um, so I think it, it validated how I felt growing up as, as a child, being angry at the system, right? Um, being angry at the way that my mother was treated as like a single mom. And um, yeah, so I think that's what helps solidify it. I think there, I have other issues in the book. I think, you know, he tries to make a lot of social commentaries. And so the story itself feels a little disjointed. Mm. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I read... I typically read and like pick books where I know that they're going to provide that like solid social analysis for me and for an Asian American to be able to do that in a fiction story mm-hmm. was very exciting. Yeah. yeah. What what do you think um the the okay, let me think. Mm-hmm. Um for you, you've already started to talk about like what stuck out to you. Uh but what was what were some of the other main takeaways that you had? Yeah, um I think the thing that stood out the most is communism and, and um, the label of being a communist. And I know from what I've seen in the Vietnamese American community and the Asian American community, uh, a lot of young people especially have taken on the label for themselves, you know, mm-hmm. identifying a, as a communist. And I, I skirt around that issue because I know how contentious, contentious it is um, for my family and for my community. And I just wonder... How do you talk about what is communism in a way that that helps speaks to people? Because I think when you talk, when you explain to people American imperialism, right, or the way in which um, Asian Americans are treated in the U.S. in the context of like anti-blackness and how we carry out um, those things ourselves, people get it, right? People mm-hmm. see it, um, but as soon as you put the word communism on it, then you lose people completely. Um, and so I think you know labels are important. So for folks reading the book. It's the way in which he portrays all these different characters. When he portrays the U.S., he portrays like the South Vietnamese, the communists, in, in sort of a terrible light altogether. Right? It's sort of you're all at fault for something. The way in which the South Vietnamese exploits the Vietnamese Americans when they first come here. Um, the way in which they're overglorified as like these genius, even though he talks about the way that, that we were played by the U.S., right? You were led to believe that the U.S. was going to fund this thing for you. And then the minute that they pulled out, what did you have? You know, you didn't have anything. Um, and so I think all of those things puts in, puts in context how Vietnamese Americans think while they're in the U.S., just mm-hmm. beyond the Vietnam War, right? Um, the way in which the Vietnam War itself is still used against the community as, like, the singular point in which we operate from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, as, like, a young Vietnamese American trying to figure out, like, how do we move beyond that, right? How do we grow, like, given that context and that background, but use it a way to politicize people, um, being in the Asian American community, a lot of times we hear things from, from leaders that the Asian American community is not ready or they're just not political. And I just don't think that's true. You know, so much of like the, like the bedtime stories I heard growing up was about the Vietnam War and how uh, my families had to escape or my families, um, every one of my families had their papers taken away because they were uh, South Vietnamese supporters. So all of the, those mm-hmm. things, I just think like, but you came here out of political circumstances. You know, you can't tell me that you're not political. Um, 
And I think, you know, there, there's probably trauma associated with what it means to escape a war-torn country, right? And, and I think that's something to consider, but it's not something that we should shun away from completely and say, we're not going to get involved in um, what's happening in, in the U.S. And I think you see more of the larger, like, uh, conclave of Asian Americans in California really getting activated, but I'd love to see that on, like, the East Coast and the Midwest also. Um, so I think that's something that that the book helps to ignite for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me a little bit more about what, is, is the book trying, is, is it like a, a communist propaganda? Like, is it, is it trying to say this is what communism is? Mm-hmm. Um, you said that it is, there is sort of um, a way that the, the author writes where everyone's, everything's implicated in everything. It's mm-hmm. not saying that there's any like pure politic or pure yeah. uh, side of things. Mm-hmm. But is it, is, is it trying to make a case for communism? What is it saying about it? I think in some ways. Um, I know the, um, the author has had protests done against him um, at like speaking engagements mm-hmm. that he's at because of the way that you know, they view him as a, like a communist sympathizer. <laughs> um, and I think there is a part of that. But it's interesting because as I'm reading this, I'm realizing, you know, when young people talk about revolutions, when because you're you're thinking before the Vietnam War, the Vietnam had just been recently um, gained independence from the French, and so like as a young person living in Vietnam at the time, you're thinking this is a revolution, right? Like you're thinking this is the moment, and a lot of you know a lot of the leaders from the communist side were educated abroad, you know whether they were educated in Russia or China, and so they had these very ideals about what the country could be. And I think, you know, there are those in South Vietnam who are educated in the U.S., right, and learned about democracy and capitalism. Um, And I think it makes sense to me as to why these two opposing groups were so ignited, right, Mm -hmm. by by the fact that this is the opportunity for us to take our country in a way that's never been done before. Um, A lot of times Vietnamese people will tell you about just the long history of how Vietnam being the small, like the small country, has been attacked by you know, by foreign nations throughout its whole history, whether it's China, whether it's Russia, whether it's Japan, um, you know, the French, the U.S. And now here's this moment where they could actually, like, take their country in a way that makes sense. And so I don't think, for me, it's not, he doesn't talk about what is communism, right, or the ideologies, but the way in which people feel so convicted by, Mm. this is what I want for my country, Um, a lot of young people, but... He talks about, you know, the sort of the operations that were carried out and the way that they were trading information to each other. And I think those things are very exciting. And I don't, I think it's just, it's given like the overwhelming perspectives against communism in the U.S., but also in in, um, the Vietnamese American community. It was a a refreshing perspective that makes me think like, yeah, these are dueling ideologies, Mm -hmm. but I can see why people gravitate towards it, right? Um... Yeah, and, and I think given the opportunity to put into play, people are going to want to try to reach for that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, what's the, the, the history of what this book talks through? So we're talking, it's, it's at the end of the Vietnam War, you said, or mm-hmm. right after, and a little bit right after, is yeah. that correct? Okay. Mm-hmm. So for folks that, like, I'm trying to go think back to my high school and, like, what we were taught, and I'm like, ooh, I'm sure it was awful. Yeah. Uh, uh, can you, um, as best as you are able, mm-hmm. what history, what background of history would be helpful to know in order to read this book well? Um, I don't think there's there's much that you have to know. Um, I think for me, the importance is understanding like the start of Vietnamese Americans in America. Like I think right now, I'm more concerned with how are Vietnamese Americans and like 
as a part of like the larger Asian American community is thinking about some of these issues that are happening in the U.S. than I am about like the Vietnam War and like the mm-hmm. history of wars in Asia. Um, but yeah, so I think starting from there, it's post-Vietnam War, right? The war is over. These folks, there's, I mean, there's still a, a subsection, like a very small one, uh, of the Vietnamese American community who believes that like they can still win back the country from the communists at this point, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, for a lot of young people, it's like, that's a little ridiculous. Um, but then there's also a lot of, you know, what I said earlier, a lot of young people who are saying like communism is a good thing, right? It, it needs to be carried out correctly, but it's a good thing. And I, um, yeah, so I, I interact with a lot of Vietnamese Americans who, who will tell me this. And I just think like, ooh, I don't know if that's going to sell well uh, with some of these older folks. Mm-hmm. And, um, we know, we call them like aunties and uncles. Uh, because we want to bring them along with us, right? It's not just, it's a youth-led movement, but it's also, I don't think anyone should be left behind. And for me, it's figuring out, like, how do you talk to those people about these issues? Um, and so I don't think there's a whole lot of history. I think it'd be nice if people would understand the context of the Vietnam War, but in, in its larger, you know, um, world history. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of people get that context, mm-hmm. but... You know, if you don't have the time, I would say figuring out for yourself, like what it means to interact with with the Asian American community. Um, Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about um, the direct connections between the war that's happening and like why that leads to so many so much immigration? Is it is it because people are fleeing a war? Right. And Mm -hmm. and what that means. But it's something that you said made me think there was actually something much more specific that was also going on that was pulling people to America um, and other places. Can you mm-hmm. talk about that? Yeah. Um, so there, there, there is like that first wave of migration for people escaping the war. Yeah. Um, you know, April 1975, everyone's fleeing the country, right? The, it's, they're getting words, especially in South Vietnam, that the communists are, are sort of moving south uh, into Saigon. A lot of people are scared. They're hearing stories of like killings that were happening um, as the communists were approaching southward. Um, you know, people being killed on the street, left on the side of the roads, things like that. Um, but then after that, those who there was like a land redistribution that was happening where people who had properties, who were South Vietnamese supporters, um, had that taken away and distributed amongst, I mean, it's supposed to be distributed like evenly, right, Mm -hmm. amongst everyone, but it was given to those who were, uh, you know, the biggest supporters of the communists. Um, But I think from what I know from my family's story is that the folks in the South didn't get a lot of resources, right? Everything started getting funneled up North. And so folks in the South... Um, couldn't find jobs. If you, um, I had an uncle who was a South Vietnamese supporter, um, so that left my family being targeted by the communists, and so um, they would raid their houses looking for him. Um, and by then, he had already escaped. Um, but it's one of those stories where he escaped, but then he was lost at sea. So we're, you know, mm. my my family never found him. Um, but that didn't stop them from trying to find. Uh, but they took away our papers, right? Because people couldn't find jobs, because there just weren't a whole lot of opportunities. Um, without papers, my mom couldn't finish school. She didn't have anything to show that she, had, you know, she was trying to get into the ninth grade and she couldn't. Um, and so people were doing jobs, odd jobs, right here and there. Um, there were a lot of black markets that were created from this. Um, a lot of like sex work, drug trades, things like that. Uh, so I think at some point, my family was just like, we can't live like this. And one of my uncles was able to escape 
uh, became a refugee, came to the U.S., and then started sponsoring sort of the rest of the family. My grandma came, and then my grandma sponsored the children, and then we all came. Um, but I think it was just that sense of, like, there's nothing here for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't survive like this. My mom divorced my dad at a very young age, and so for her, the U.S. was this way to start over. Um, and I think that's what's sad about the Vietnam War that people don't talk about. It's just the opportunities that were lost. Mm-hmm. Um, from my, like, older aunts, they'll, you know, when, when they talk about the Vietnam War, they talk about the way they saw their future, right? They were going to go to college, and they were doing really well in school and was going to get, you know, was going to become an accountant or whatever it was, um, and all of that was taken away from them. And for them to come to the U.S. expecting that they would be able to start over, but not really, right? Like, you're not given the same opportunities. You're treated differently. I think there's that racial context that people, people aren't taught, and so they don't see it. Right. If I tell my family, like, you're being treated differently because you're an Asian American, they're just like, no, 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 that's not true. Because they're not given that context of race in America. Um, so all these things that are happening, whether it's successes or failures, people place it on themselves, right, as opposed to looking at it from uh, a systemic level. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, this book, do you think he wrote it? For a specific audience, and I'm specifically thinking about how you were talking earlier about the differences in generations of Vietnamese immigrants mm-hmm. and how, you know, is he, I, I don't know if you can tell, but um, who mostly reads this book versus who do you think it was, he was trying to talk to and maybe push or, or think with? Yeah, I think it's, I don't think it's so much uh, an age thing. I think it's more of uh, the generations, right? I think he, I think he came when he was 15 or something, mm-hmm. um, so spent most of his life in the U.S. Um, and I think that's the audience he's talking to. Okay. A lot of times we call them like the 1.5 generation or the second generation uh, of Asian Americans who come here because he's not, like, a lot of times I think as a Vietnamese person, I see the Vietnamese cultures. I can, like, understand the way that they think about things. Um, a lot of that comes from, like, my mom and my grandma and those conversations that we have with each other because I'm like, oh, I get why you see things differently than how my brother see things, right? Um, but he doesn't talk about it from that perspective. And I think that is a reason why a lot of older Vietnamese Americans don't like the book mm. um, is that they're not seeing it in this larger context. For them, it's still a very black and white issue. Um, whereas I think young people... If you're like, you know, if you're seeking the right information and being educated correctly, then you get that it's a much more complicated issue than like North bad, South good. Right. Um, but yeah, but I don't think the, the language itself is accessible. Um, you know, there's a lot of Vietnamese Americans who are still limited English speakers who aren't actually reading this book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those things. But I think it's more for the, the 1.5 generation, the second generation of Americans that speaks to um, and I think that that comes through through the anger and just the resentment that the the character feels. Um, I think at least for me, that's what speaks to me. But I know that for a lot of Asian Americans, we're sort of looking for for work that's you know shows a complex and and diverse experiences and and feelings right about all of these issues. Um, so I think if anything, he's writing to sort of add to. You know, like another another story to the Vietnam War. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you had said that this is a book, there's a lot of sort of dual identities that are taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, does it try to resolve them? Does it try to like find a settling? Or is it just about sort of complicating our understanding of mm-hmm. 
there's not really a good way to be involved in war. Um, yeah. 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 I, there's, I, so I, as I started reading the book, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I just hated it. <laughs> and I hated it because there are these moments, these like interactions that are being set up where the character can just sort of like stick it to the person and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's where his his dual identity sort of like fails him, where he's like, I'm just like the strong Vietnamese American, you know, how dare you talk to me that way? But when confronted with that, especially by a white person, he sort of like shrinks into himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, yeah, it's, it's this way that, and I think, we, you know, we feel that for ourselves a lot of times where there are these moments where Asian Americans are being talked about and we're like, no, it's not like that. Let me show you. But then we don't do anything, okay. you know? And I think that is probably where it hurts for me. Um, and a lot of times because it's a fictional story, I think like you could just make up something, right? right. You could just make up something great. Like this guy stands up for himself and says like, how dare you talk to me like that? Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't. Um, so after reading this, it made me think, like, where do we move from here, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do we talk about the Asian American community beyond the wars, beyond the traumas, to talk more about the experiences that we're feeling now? Um, and there's, you know, like, bits and pieces of that in this book, uh, but to talk about it in that larger context. And I'm not saying, like, to forget the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. right? I'm saying use that as a way to talk about, right, how these second generations, third generation kids are growing up, um, and how that history is being hidden from them also, mm-hmm. right? About the U.S.'s involvement in the Vietnam War and, um, and what led to the tragedy and, and, yeah, and the traumas associated with their parents, with their grandparents. What do you think would be different about the landscape right now if everyone had read this book and maybe didn't agree with 100%, but had found it accessible um, and its ideas accessible? I think it would challenge, um, you know, the stereotypes and the, and the perceptions that people have, um, for Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, the introduction that you gave earlier, I, I don't, I still don't see enough Asian American in movement spaces. Um, those who are angry, right. Those who are quiet, those who are shy, like this, like very direct, like diverse set of people who are involved in, in, in the movement. Um, and yeah, so I, I wonder if from reading this, because it's so angry, that it pushes you to think like, oh, well, maybe not all Asian Americans are quiet, right? Maybe they are angry. Maybe they're just not saying it to you, but they are. Um, But maybe this is a way to also ignite them, right? This is a way to figure out, like, how do we bring Asian Americans into the fold? Um, A lot of things... A lot of times we talk about how Asian Americans are used as like the wedge issue, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at the affirmative action uh, debate, Asian Americans are being used as a way to to take down affirmative action programs. Um, And so for us to challenge, right, like I think for like progressive Asian Americans to push back against that, to say like, no, actually we understand the history, right? Um, I mean, we have the fortune of being educated in the U.S. where we see that context, right? We understand American history uh, for a lot of folks, older folks, um, they might not have that. Um, but I think it's also the way in which people read history wrong, that that's actually not what you think it is, right? Um, so how do you give people the tools to, to put things into context and like the right context, right. not just to create your own interpretation of what you think happened? Um, and a lot of that has to be with working with other communities, right? Being a part of the spaces and not just like us sitting in a room figuring out on our own. Um, yeah, so I think for people reading the story 
it's it's rare like it's rare because there's not a whole lot of books out there of Asian Americans who are expressing this type of anger um and yeah I'm and it's not I'm like I'm feel like I'm pumping up the book and it's not like the greatest <laughs> book in the world or anything but you know given that it's 2017 and this book is here mm-hmm. shows that we've like come a long way mm-hmm. um but there's more to do so I'm wondering for for young Asian Americans, right, what this book is going to inspire for them moving forward um, to sort of read their experiences and read the world in creating a different narrative, right, mm-hmm. um, so that it, it helps to contribute to just a more diverse perspective of the Asian American community. Um, yeah. So, what, and so one of the things um, preparing for today, someone asked, you know, um, are you going to talk about the model minority myth? And I said, no, no, like I'm so sick of talking about that, right? Yeah. I want to talk about something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a lot of young Asian Americans, like we're ready for that. We're, mm-hmm. we're not trying to, to sort of hash out these trite issues when we know that, you know, it's not relevant. Like it's, it was never a thing, right? Um, but we want to provide a critical analysis of something, something maybe that hasn't been talked about previously. Uh, so I think this book is a start of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for young people to figure out moving forward, what are some other narratives we can create? You mentioned mm-hmm. at the start um, that you were uh, excited about what was going on. I think you said California. Mm-hmm. Can you just say, I know this isn't about the book, but can you, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of offer some examples of like what this looks like right now and, and what uh, things that we can replicate, um, what what's going on out there that you like so much? Um, well, so I think in California, they have the benefit of just having very large Vietnamese American communities who have been here for a very long time. Um, they've been here since 1975. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the way in which they're connected to the community, there's, you know, there's Vietnamese markets, there's Vietnamese curriculums for people to understand U.S. curriculum in the context of Vietnamese history also. Um, and so they're able to, like, organize people around that. A lot of times I think if you have a community of 100 people, getting 10 people to come out is great, right? But do you have a community of 10 people like, what do you do with that, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so some of these larger conclaves of Asian Americans, it's harder for us to, to organize from there because people are so spread out, right? Um, even in the Asian American community, everyone comes from different histories. And so how do you, like, pull people into that? Um, but what we see in California is they do a great job of providing um, information in additional languages, mm-hmm. right? Which is something that we have to think for ourselves as, how do I communicate this in a way that one makes sense to like the layperson, but then also translating the material so that people reading this will, will actually get it. Um, so making information accessible to folks, and and so you see that more in California. If you've ever if you've ever gone to California, when they go through forms, there's like ten different languages that they're going through just in case you need one of them. Um, we don't have that type of services here, uh, but people are also involved politically, right? They they understand that you have to get political, um, which for, for new immigrants coming into the area, uh, you know, my family only came in 1995. There's still that, I think that the, the resistance towards getting involved, um, they'd rather just, you know, keep your heads down, go to work, but conversations are taking place inside the, the homes, right? So how do you carry that into the community? It's like, yeah, remember that thing that you said the other day? Well, there's also this other thing happening outside that we also need to plug into. Um, so f- encouraging that. Um, so yeah, I think you see more of that work because there's there's different circum- um, mm-hmm. uh, circumstances involved in that, but 
I think it's the way that people are, are helping to facilitate that, right? There's organizers out in California who are saying, like, you need to get involved, right? You see what's happening. You see that it's wrong. Um, what are some ways you can contribute that? But then also, like, you see how our communities are being used. Um, and people have a clearer sense of that than what I've seen in, like, the East Coast and, um, and the Midwest. And, I mean, that's not to say that there's no organizing happening, right? I think, right. like... Especially in Chicago, the Asian American community is very active. There's been some really dope organizing that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's very exciting. Yeah. But I think, you know, for California, they have the benefit of having very large Asian American communities, whereas in Chicago, not so much. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to figure out, like, what do we do with that, right? And how do we navigate that? Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. It's something that I think about a lot, too, <laughs> is just the way that space mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it, it very much affects our, our movements and what we're capable of doing or how we go about doing those things. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate what you're saying. I think you're, you're reminding me of this constant lesson that I have to think through and remind myself of, which is there are certain words that have this sort of flattening effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say that they're bad. Like, like I think racism is an example of that, mm-hmm. like where it creates, when you say racism, people think one thing and yeah. anything outside of that doesn't, it's not legible. And mm-hmm. I think immigration is another one of those words that like, of course, that's a real thing, right? Yeah. That is a real word that we need. But when we're talking about immigration issues, I think that there's ways that, um, I see how, what you were saying about like the story offering a counter narrative and helping us to expand mm-hmm. what we, what we think that includes mm-hmm. the problems yeah. within it, the solutions to it. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate that. What, uh, does this book, or what would happen for non-Vietnamese Americans who read this book? Um, what might they be seeing? How do you think it might challenge their thinking? What does it offer, suggest, or push for non-Vietnamese Americans? Yeah, um, so throughout the book, there are, there are parts where he's touching on other communities, right? It's not just about illustrating this, um, yeah, to what we were saying, it's not just about white America, right? It's about everyone else um, that's a part of the U.S. And I think what, it, what the, the interesting thing that it touches on is, for me, a lot of Asian Americans, when they come to the U.S., they know that they don't want to be black, but they don't, want, they, but they don't know why, right? Um, so there's parts where he talks about that. You know, he talks about jazz being associated with black people and that struggle and how the character really gravitates towards that, uh, which sort of reminds me of how Asian Americans gravitate towards hip-hop, right, when they first come, especially those from, like, low-income communities, because um, whether it's the lyrics, whether right, it's the sound of it, that that's communicating like a pain and a struggle to their experience that they're not getting through through white America. Um, so I think that's the way in which we're seeing how Asian Americans are interacting with white America, how they're interacting with black America also. Um, so and I don't know that a whole lot of people are exposed to that perspective. Um, usually when we're talking about Asian Americans relating to other communities, it's it's in it, you know it's about cultural appropriation right or it's about not giving respect to something whereas when i'm when i'm thinking through about the way that asian americans i know who are interacting in in hip hop right whether they're rapping or whether they're breakdancing they're giving respect to that right they're trying to be very mindful of the context that it's in um, and so i think the author tries to do that through the book it's not as direct right he's not sort of um, being very expansive in his analysis but there are components of it where he's touching on that. Like, he sees it. Um, I don't know that the, the character itself has a deep understanding of it, but for me, you know, as someone who's reading it, like, I'm, I'm getting all of that, right? It's like, I get it. I get why you're gravitating towards these other communities because you've been sort of shunned by white America. Um, and I think that's a common experience. And so for other communities, um, you know, non-Vietnamese folks to read this book, 
uh, helps to illustrate some of those things. And um, yeah, I think it helps to relate to communities that you don't get. I think a lot of times when you see like new immigrants moving into the area, you know, you're like, who are these people? You know, they're they're kind of weird. And for us to say like. <laughs> No, like we're, we're, we're figuring out, like as, as a part of the Vietnamese American identity, right? It's like, how are we taking in some of those communities? Um, you know, I think like for myself as a Vietnamese American living in Little Village, the way that I'm processing things around me, the, the uh, sort of the things that I gravitate toward, right? When I see young families and I relate to my own experiences, uh, when I see, you know, workers out on the street, and that's a, similar to the way that I saw my parents and, uh, and my family members growing up. And so I think there are similarities, right, but we're also acknowledging that there are differences and we want to celebrate that. Uh, and I think so the book touches on some of those things, and I think it helps that people know that Vietnamese Americans, like, we're here and we're interacting, right, and we're sort of engaging and struggling, whether it's, it's privately um, but we also want to expose that, right? We're just not this like insular group all to ourselves. Like I'm not sitting in my house listening to Vietnamese music, right? I'm listening to all these other types of music that are that's out there. Um, yeah, so I think if for nothing else, like for people to understand that and and know that, oh, okay, it's sort of like every young person in in, a, in the U.S. Yeah. Okay. I this sounds like a really beautiful book. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen it in all the bookstores over and over and over. <laughs> It'll be the next one that I buy. Yeah. Um, can you close us out though with a favorite passage? Um, yes. If you're ready. Uh, so just to set it up, I, when I read this, this was like early on in the book. Um, when I got to this paragraph, I actually cried. And, in, and you'll see it's just for the most ridiculous thing. But uh, just to set up where we're at in the story, um, they're leaving the refugee camps. So a lot of them are trading contact information uh, to sort of get in touch with each other. And there's a part where he talks about, you know, the U.S. could have established a colony for us, right? We could have been, could have been doctors, lawyers, cleaners, maids. Like, we could have just created a community of our own. Um, but, of course, they know this, and they don't want that, right? They have to spread us all out. They have to spread us out throughout the U.S. Um, so this, this is where the, the quote starts. He says, wherever we found ourselves, we found each other small clans gathering in basements, in churches, in backyards on the weekends, at beaches where we brought our own food and drink and grocery bags rather than buying from the more expensive concessions. We did our best to conjure up the culinary staples of our culture, but since we were dependent on Chinese markets, our food had an unacceptably Chinese tinge, another blow in the gauntlet of our humili humiliation that left us with the sweet and sour taste of unreliable memories just correct enough to evoke the past, just wrong enough to remind us that the past was forever gone, missing along with the proper variety, subtlety, and complexity of our universal solvent, fish sauce. Oh, fish sauce, how we missed it, dear aunt, how nothing tasted right without it, how we longed for the grand crew of Fuwuk Fu Island and its vast brimming with the finest vintage of pressed anchovies. This pungent liquid condiment of the darkest sepia hue was much denigrated by foreigners for its supposedly horrendous reek, lending new meaning to the phrase, there's something fishy around here, for we were the fishy ones. We used fish sauce the way Trans Transylvanian villagers wore cloves of garlic to ward off vampires. In our case, to establish a perimeter with those Westerners who could never understand that what was truly fishy was the nauseating stench of cheese. What was the what was fermented fish compared to curdled milk? Yeah. 
So I cried about fish sauce yeah. because it reminded me of the different types of fish sauces, which I forgot. Um, and then it made me think, you know, what are some other things that I had forgotten about, about Vietnam and like my upbringing? Um, but I think the sort of the line at the end, sort of giving that stab to, <laughs> to cheese and <laughs> why it's so weird for us. Yeah. Okay, okay thank you. listening to another episode of the lit review a podcast where we interview people we love and respect about books for the movement we are your co-hosts monica trinidad and Paige may two chicago-based organizers special shout out to the lit review's very own sponsor the arcus center for social justice leadership out of kalamazoo college keep your eyes and ears open for another episode next monday same time same place want to hear about a specific book Email us at thelitreviewchicago at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. And if you like this episode, give it a shout out on Twitter or Instagram. Our handle is at litreviewshy. Keep reading! Keep reading.